Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of the Preventive Medicine Podcast. Thank you guys for listening. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for your continued support. We hope that you've enjoyed all the episodes. We have 50 so far, which is a pretty huge milestone. We hope to get uh, another however many weeks are left of the year left out on this um, kind of the rest of the year. And if you are a brand new listener, welcome. We hope you get some value out of this podcast. And this is a great podcast to listen to for the first one, because this one is going to be kind of an overview of our overview. 50 episodes and uh, some of the main takeaways that I've had from them as a new resident physician. So um, thank you guys for listening. And if you do enjoy this episode and think any of the ones that I talk about are going to be uh, beneficial, then please go and head over and listen to those. Like I said, there are over 50 episodes that we now have with incredible guests. So let's get into this recap. Overcoming saber-toothed tigers and woolly mammoths, we must now face a new enemy, ourselves. With the rates of diseases such as heart disease, stroke, diabetes, depression, and many others ballooning, we must find a better solution to these modern epidemics. Welcome to the Preventive Medicine Podcast. We believe in building a foundation of health by means of prevention so that you can build the life you want and find fulfillment with no barriers. Hear from experts around the country on how to take your health into your hands. Take control and build a foundation of health for the life that you want to live. And now, here's your host, Raghav Sharma. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and kind of being with us this entire way, all the way up until 50 episodes. And I haven't asked for you is that if you have enjoyed any of these episodes and you really want to help support the show, the best way to do that is by rating and reviewing the show, whether you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, that's kind of the standard way that most people have done it, but also on Spotify now, there is a area to kind of rate and review it. So if you really want to support the show, that is the best way you can do that by far. So um, help us out. I greatly appreciate it. And now let's get talking about our episodes. And we started this podcast off with a bang. We had Dr. Austin Baraki of Barbell Medicine on. And this was a phenomenal episode to start on, kind of set the um, scene and set the tone for the entire podcast as far as evidence-based practice goes. Because Barbell Medicine is as evidence-based as it goes um, on kind of a large, broad scale. And all of their practitioners that they have kind of under their brand embody that and are very down with the evidence and also not just evidence for the sake of evidence, but to help people out and make sure that they're not being swindled or having some sort of um, overdiagnosis or retreatment done or overpathologizing or whatever they're doing. So that was one of the biggest topics that we discussed in our episode with Dr. Baraki, um, where we talked about overdiagnosis, where a lot of times... Um, patients kind of think of healthcare as needing to be used and often overusing it, whether that's various types of imaging, types of lab results, and all these various things where that people overuse healthcare quite a lot. And sometimes um, you might not think that that's necessarily harmful, but for the most part, that can end up causing a significant amount of harm. And we talked about several use cases for that. Um, and actually, Dr. Brocky had us do some homework for this, where he, uh, we read the book Overdiagnosis um, kind of before we went to this podcast. Um, and we talked about how if someone gets a image that they don't necessarily need, um, let's say a CT scan, an x-ray, whatever it is, there might be an incidental finding that's not necessarily causing anything. Um, it's just kind of there, not causing the symptoms. And then all of a sudden, as physicians, we have to dive into it. Otherwise, you're kind of neglecting it, right? So this is where overdiagnosis becomes a thing. And oftentimes, it can lead down a rabbit hole of causing significant harm. 
Another thing that we talked about was Dr. Baraki's um, main definition of prevention, which was actually very uh, fascinating. And it was um, overall, the message was being able to adapt and self-manage. It wasn't about utilizing healthcare. It wasn't about exercising. It wasn't about nutrition. It was about being capable as humans, adapting to our circumstances, to our situation, whatever it is, and being able to manage um, and self-manage in when times get tough, when situations come up, when circumstances change, and helping people become um, kind of self-managing is one of the best ways to practice preventive medicine because then they can kind of take control of their own lives and whatever risks they want to deal with in their lives. And this is one of the best ways that Dr. Brocky also talked about creating a patient narrative where you don't tell them that you're weak, um, you have so many problems, you need to take this medication, you're broken, all these kinds of things. Instead, it's the notion that you are strong, you are powerful, you're able to take over um, and take control of various circumstances, environmental factors that might come up in your life. All with the idea of being able to adapt and self-manage. Um, he also talked about how when it does come to medical care, a lot of medicine is actually not necessarily needed at all when it comes to preventive medicine. And that most of this will come from various health-related behaviors related to the like self-management concept and various social determinants of health, which oftentimes the individuals we don't even have access to, with a very, very small amount of kind of biomedical intervention and reserving that intervention for when things actually go wrong beyond the ability to self-manage. So that was Dr. Baraki. There was a lot going on that podcast. If you have not listened to that, that was our very first one. It's pretty different. Um, we were inexperienced hosts back then, but there's so much information. Dr. Baraki's a phenomenal guest. The second episode we had was with Alyssa Lenick, who should now be finishing her PhD by the time you listen to this. Um, so go over to her page um, and go congratulate her. She's at Little Is Fitness. So with her, we talked about the biggest topic was lifting and running. And when most people think about fitness, they think about one or the other. They think I need to start running, I need to like run marathons, or they start thinking I need to become gigantic, lift, get really strong. But those really don't intersect. And that is what Alyssa does a phenomenal job at. Um, and it's kind of doing those. Her entire page is kind of about the hybrid method. She has a whole bunch of programs out there with the various hybrid training styles. And she also talks about how most people are undertrained, where we're kind of just working towards the minimum physical activity guidelines. But in actuality, we could probably do a lot more. And as humans, we are very capable at handling whatever training loads that are given to us, as long as we accommodate for them and work up to them. The other big topic that we talked about was women's health, where there's so much pseudoscience and so much BS out there that's just in the women's health industry for whatever reason. And women are sold these images of kind of being weak, um, not being able to do the same things that men can do, and also so many garbage products that come along with that. So Alyssa is there to kind of bust all of that out um, and kind of clarify women's health, make it easier, and also communicate the science to not only women, but to everyone. And one of the things that Alyssa does really well, if you go check out her page, which I highly recommend you do because it has phenomenal information, is communicating science, whether it's to women, to everyone, takes a lot of time and you need to know 100% of it, even though you might only share 20% of it because that 20% was what's relevant to the people who are listening to it. Well, we have another episode with her as well, 24, where we talked about metabolism with her as well. And she's a repeat guest just because she was so phenomenal. And in this one, we talk about metabolism. Um, her PhD is relative to metabolism um, to some extent. 
And we talked about how most people think about metabolism. They just think about calories. They think about calories in, calories out, and how it relates to weight. When in reality, there's so much more that goes on with it. There is a entirely dynamical system that goes on between like our organs, our various endocrine systems, our exercise, our various daily activities outside of exercising, our appetite, how much food we eat. And our metabolism is kind of a dynamic system that takes all of this into account along with a lot more that I didn't mention and adjust based on what's going on, what the circumstances are needed and how much you actually need. So there's that where a lot of people have a very reductionist approach to metabolism. We also talk about how metabolism versus brain signaling and appetite and hunger are different things. Whereas metabolism is kind of like the physiologic process of uh, your actual caloric needs, what you might need based on all those systems that are going on, whereas brain signals, which could be very different depending on biology, um, just like our environmental factors or also our genetics. And in this, we talk about uh, examples such as someone who might be very obese, who loses a lot of weight, who still has a lot of hunger signals that are telling them that they need to eat, when in reality, their metabolism is at a much different place because they have lost a lot of weight. So they don't have as much tissue to support. So that was one of the things we talked about in there. Um, highly recommend listening to both of the episodes that we have, Alyssa, just because she's an absolutely incredible guest. The next one we had on was in episode three, Dr. John White of uh, WebMD. He is a CMO of WebMD. And at the time, this was incredible. I could not believe we got him on. And I still can't believe we get a lot of these guests on. But first, starting off, this was the first person we didn't have a personal connection to. So it was amazing for him to come on. And Dr. John White, um, he's still a practicing physician. But what he's most well known for at this point is um, being in the media. He previously worked at, I believe, Discovery Channel. Um, and now he works at WebMD. And a lot of what he does is translating medicine to the masses. And one of the key topics that we talked about during this episode was instead of kind of just being paternalistic about it and saying, you need to do this, you should take this medication, you should eat this way, you should go to this gym, exercise this amount, tell stories. Um, stories are a lot more compelling to people. And we see this when we have uh, Netflix documentaries that aren't necessarily the most scientifically accurate or evidence-based whatsoever, but they tell a story, they give a good narrative, and people buy into that, and suddenly it becomes a tribe. So he talks about um, kind of translating medicine to the masses by creating those storylines and being able to inform people that way. One of the other things we talk about in that episode is the use of data. And we had a more, uh, more recent episode that we'll get to near the end of this podcast where we talked about data. But in this one, we talked about health data in terms of Fitbits, step trackers, uh, sleep data, all of these various devices where there is so much data now in medicine. We're only getting more and more as we get more technologically savvy, especially within healthcare. Um, but what is useful data versus just having more data? All data is not good. A lot of times physicians that are already inundated with so much going on in their daily lives, um, it's about having useful information and diagnostics versus just throwing data that way that are meaningless and not being able to use anything. So we talked about using the right tools in medicine um, versus just kind of having everything available and not being able to do anything with it. So that was a great podcast as well. If you are interested in kind of in, uh, increasing your exposure, if you are already health educating or whatnot, that'd be a great episode to listen to. 
The next episode we had was with Dr. Mitash Patel, who is a psychiatrist. And fun fact, this was our only episode um, with another guest that we did in person. So Dr. Mitash Patel was one of um, Jason, uh, who was my previous co-host. He was one of his preceptors back when we were in medical school, and he's a psychiatrist. And this was a phenomenal episode where we talked a lot about mental health. Um, not necessarily psychiatric crises, which you talk about later on with another guest. But in this one, we talked about mental health from the aspect of mindfulness, um, where we talk about how mindfulness is not necessarily just like sitting there and meditating or listening to various uh, tones or like sounds, whatever it might be. But mindfulness is finding activities that we enjoy um, and it's individual to the person. For example, I enjoy something completely different than you might as you're listening to this um, and not making them into like scalable hobbies or quote unquote part of this hustle culture and just doing them for yourself. Being in a state of kind of flow with the activity where you're being really mindful about that one activity and using that as an outlet for mental health and kind of having something that feeds yourself versus just kind of doing it for something else and for someone else, whether it's for social media, whether it's for monetary gain, whatever it may be just doing something for yourself and being able to find that flow and mindfulness in that activity. That was one of the main points of um, kind of that entire podcast. And then the other one there was that we have all different kinds of emotions. Um, the human experience is filled with emotions. And it's one of the things that makes us human, where we just have things going from like absolutely stoked and super happy all the way to depression, where you just can't even get out of bed. You're so sad. Um, we have a whole bunch of moods. We have anxiety. There's a whole bunch of these things. And all of these are completely normal. Um, these are all part of the human experience. And this is one of those things that Dr. Patel was saying, it's okay to feel those ways. And it's part of the human experience, but we need to find ways to understand that this is what's going on, find ways to cope with it, understand it, and not let it become crippling. And this is one of the things that we talked about that mindfulness is very useful for, having a way to feed yourself and kind of have something that you can distract yourself with. And also just find other ways to understand that these are normal and we'll get out of it and eventually life will flow back and we'll be happy again or we'll get sad again, not getting caught up even in the happiness because some people, they're just, why am I not happy all the time? And that's not a realistic expectation where we won't be happy all the time. That's not possible where the human experience is to feel sad and just setting those expectations kind of both on the depression side and then the elated side are very important. Next episode we had on was kind of Jason and I talking about how we founded this podcast. And this was episode five where we talked about our origin story. And a lot of this happened because we both were frustrated with the way that healthcare was going. And we saw a gap in healthcare where we were just kind of taking care of people. They were coming to the clinic, we give them medicines and they would go. And this was our experience as medical students. And we thought we weren't talking a lot about prevention where it comes from kind of exercise, nutrition, lifestyle, all this kinds of things. So Jason, and I had a very similar mindset. So we started this podcast and now here we are 50 episodes later. Um, unfortunately, Jason had to step away from the podcast due to other commitments, but we'll have him back on an episode. So stay tuned. He'll come back at some point, probably within the next month or two. The next episode that we had was Dr. Sam Spinelli in episode six, and he is a physical therapist. Um, and we talked a lot about pain in this episode and injury risk. And we actually had him on in another episode as well. And this was episode... Sorry, I should have organized this better when I was doing this. But this was episode, I believe it was in the 20s as well. We'll get to it a little bit later on. But in this one, we talked about pain and a lot about back pain 
where pain is also part of the human experience. And much like what we talked about in mental health, where we feel sad, we'll feel happy, we'll also feel pain at some point. And a lot of times people attribute pain to certain mechanical things, whereas I fell this certain way, I lifted the certain way, or I slept the wrong way. And this is why I have pain. And a lot of times we find in the evidence that the meanings people have behind their pain line up better with the pain or the way that they manage it rather than just like the mechanical model or anything else. So this is all in saying that rather than just finding a mechanical reason for this person having this pain, sometimes it's about what does this pain mean for them? Um, Is it from a place of anxiety? Is it a place from just being sleep deprived and carrying a lot of their stress? There's a whole bunch of things that go into pain and it's not just a purely mechanistic model. And the other thing we talked about with Dr. Spinelli was injury risk kind of becoming uh, or getting into pain. And a lot of times this happens not necessarily because you've done anything wrong, but a lot of times managing your risk of injury is from taking care of a lot of general factors versus specific movements. So things like focusing on sleep, on your nutrition, on meeting physical activity guidelines, managing stressors appropriately, um, having a strong sense of community and belonging. All of those things contribute to the pain experience and can also reduce the risk of injury um, so that you kind of reduce the risk of pain. Um, so that's something that we talked about, Dr. Sam Spinelli, which is absolutely fascinating because oftentimes when you talk to physical therapists or you're scrolling through Instagram, you see just a whole bunch of random exercise prescriptions. And that isn't necessarily beneficial or useful when it comes to reducing the incidence of pain. Um, this is something very similar to what we talked about with him on a repeat episode. So, I mean, it was a phenomenal. I would highly recommend checking out both of them. The next episode that we had was with uh, Dr. Sheila Dugan. So she was actually a physical therapist first, then went to medical school and is now a physiatrist or a PMR doctor, which is what I'm doing. Um, So in this episode, we didn't talk about that much about rehab, but we talked about disparities because this is something that Dr. Dugan is very passionate about. And she actually has several projects within the Chicagoland area, one of which I was uh, participating in. And it's kind of looking at healthcare disparities in different areas of Chicago, where one of the shocking facts that came up during the podcast is that in one of the more wealthy parts of Chicago versus one of the more um, socioeconomically devastated areas, there's a life expectancy gap of like 15 years, which is absolutely shocking. And these disparities are very incredibly apparent and important to address. And unfortunately, a lot's not happening from them because this community needs support. There's just so much going on with their community where they can't necessarily reach out. They might not be able to get to a hospital. They might not be able to afford treatments, might not be able to be consistent with their treatments or with follow-up, all of those kinds of things. And sometimes, as we talk about on the podcast, they don't have access to let's say gyms or safe exercise, where if they leave their house or apartment or whatever it may be, that there's a significant risk that some sort of, they might be involved in some sort of crime, whether it's a hit and run, just a lot of parents just don't feel safe with their children going outside. The parents don't feel safe. So there's just a whole bunch going on within these communities. And we talked about how hospital systems and communities should reach out and kind of bring what these communities need to them. And instead of just kind of saying, you need to do this, going to those communities, asking them what they need. Um, And sometimes it might just be like an extra paycheck, which could help a lot sometimes in getting food because sometimes people have to choose between their food and medicine um, or whether it's they need some sort of community program, some sort of community exercise program, all of those things. um, And just being very aware of that and taking um, ownership and helping those communities out. And she made it a point to state that we're not all living the same lives. Some of us have much more privilege than others in our lives. And it's okay to have that privilege, but it's important to recognize and understand that others have very different lives. We don't all walk in the same shoes. And 
as far as we want to help them within the healthcare um, kind of field, we need to understand that to be able to help them at their kind of position. The next one on episode eight of this podcast, we had another physiatrist. And in this one, we also didn't talk about too much about rehab, but this was my personal mentor, Dr. Aslan Tariq. Um, And in this one, he is an entrepreneur. So we talked a lot about entrepreneurship and medicine. One of the biggest ones was innovation in healthcare. And one of the reasons that healthcare is the way it is, and there's so much kind of bloat, is that Dr. Tariq was talking about physicians don't end up being the innovator oftentimes. Um, Instead, we end up being the beneficiary of many innovations or kind of just being told to use this new innovation. And that's because a lot of times physicians take a backseat because there's so much to do as far as learning medicine, practicing medicine, all of the billing, writing notes. There's just a lot to do in medicine. And oftentimes um, we just don't have time to think about innovation, to kind of lead the pipeline and to figure out how to ways make medicine better. Obviously in our minds, there's a lot of things, even as an intern right now, there's so many things that I would want to do in medicine to make it better, but there's just no time to do it. We don't have access to the resources. We don't know how to do it. And it's just too much trouble where there's already so much to do and there's patient care, there's education so much. Oftentimes we don't. And this is one of the reasons that healthcare isn't necessarily that efficient because as physicians, we probably do things a little bit differently to make sure that our patient outcomes, which is our number one goal, is kind of at the forefront. The other thing we talked about, Dr. Tariq, is that he is an excellent person when it comes to kind of being with patients and an excellent clinician. And one of the things that he talks about, instead of being kind of paternalistic, like what Dr. White was saying, instead of that is being partners and acting as a coach with patients, whereas instead of just telling them things, you say, okay, As a coach, I understand that failures happen. You're probably going to fail at some point during whatever this treatment plan is, during um, you trying to improve your lifestyle. But being there when they fail, knowing that it's going to happen and helping them guide through their failures. And this is a phenomenal way um, to kind of frame being a physician and a ally to patients and helping them through whatever issues that they have and kind of going through life and just being there for those hurdles. So that was a phenomenal episode. If you're into entrepreneurship or into being a better clinician, highly suggest listening to that episode. The next one is very different. So this is episode nine. We had Eddie Cohn, who is the greatest powerlifter of all time, who is incredibly like nice. He is an incredible human being. He's an incredible coach. He's incredibly strong as well. And in this episode, we talked about how exercise can be done at any level. And despite being the greatest uh, powerlifter ever on the planet, He can still coach at every single level, whether that's someone who's just doing exercise at home or someone who is another champion powerlifter. We talked about being able to do exercise at any level, kind of modifying whatever exercises you need to or modifying various uh, equipment just to be able to do what you can at home. And Ed is a huge proponent of just doing what you can and doing what's in your capabilities versus trying to um, kind of go outside of those if you don't have the availability or the resources to do so. So one of the things that we talked about, for example, was if you don't have access to a gym, but you still want to do squats, then what you can do is if you have like bags of rice or a thing of oil, whatever it may be, or a backpack, you can like put books in it. You can just take the bag of rice or even like the water gallon jugs, put those in a backpack and just squat with that. And just modify exercises to find ways to be active within your means. The other thing we talked about with Eddie Cohn is his approach to goal setting and his approach to long-term change. And that was Instead of thinking of like the super long term where I want to lift or add 200 pounds to my squat, think 
instead in like, let's say five, six weeks, maybe 10 weeks, whatever the time frame may be, I want to add five pounds to my squat. And over time, as long as you're doing that, you'll make a large change and have those smaller change snowball and roll and roll and roll into a long-term change that you weren't even thinking about at the beginning. Because a lot of times at the beginning, those long-term goals can be very daunting and very challenging and something that might just be... Um, you don't. You just don't do it because it's too daunting. So that was a great episode. Uh, it's a very different episode because Ed isn't necessarily like a physician. He didn't go to some sort of graduate school. He's just a very real dude who has a lot of practical knowledge, and he's done a lot in his life, helped a lot of people. So it was a phenomenal episode. The next one we had was episode 10 with Dr. Jesse Hoffman. Um, she is both a PhD and a registered dietitian. And in this one, we talked a lot about kind of the basics of nutrition where we didn't dive too deep in any specific topic, but I'm trying to get her back on because she is a master of gut health. So we're going to talk about that. But in this episode, we talked about how a lot of what's out there in nutrition, as far as the vagueness, the unnecessary complexity of that is because of a game of telephone where we see all these things in the headlines and you have nutritional researchers that are creating this research um, in specific nutrients, whatever it may be. And then the media takes that and they put it through telephone through their own filter and put a headline up. And that is why there's so much confusion in nutrition because it goes from the, like this one sentence that might have been in a researcher's paper to the headline and then all of a sudden that's it. That's like the statement from the paper when in fact that might have been a very minor point of that paper. And then one of the other things we talked about is that yes, nutrition is very simple and there's nothing like you should shop the perimeter grocery store, which is where all the fresh stuff is. We talked about how even packaged foods can be perfectly healthy and a lot of times the frozen foods that are like in various packets are actually could be better because they are fruits that are picked at peak ripeness and frozen at this point. So there might be better nutritional quality, better tasting all those different things. And then at the basis of it, a the best diet is one that is diverse with adequate protein, making sure that you stay hydrated and getting enough fiber. The rest of it, not complicated. That was kind of the base of the diet. And if you want to hear more about that, then definitely go check out our episode with Dr. Hoffman. We want to take a quick break to remind you that this podcast is not intended for medical advice and is for educational and informational purposes only. We also want to remind you of our Instagram page at PreventPod, where we share various content relating to each episode that you can share with your friends if you enjoy our episode. And lastly, don't forget to sign up for our mailing list so you know right away when an episode goes up at www.thepreventedmedicinepodcast.com. And with that, let's get back into this episode. So now we're into episode 11, where we talk with Dr. Ali Hader, who is an interventional cardiologist. And one of the biggest things that we talked about was don't smoke. That's it. Just don't use tobacco products. Smoking is horrendous for you. So as practicing prevention, when it comes to cardiology, just don't smoke. Um, one of the other things that we talked about was you might think of interventional cardiology as past the point of prevention. But um, Dr. Ali Hader was mentioning that a lot of times when you are doing these interventions, they're not just preventing the disease, but altering the course or delaying the course of the diseases. Because at this point, someone does have atherosclerotic disease and you have to do, you can still do something about it. It's not like it's too late. You just let these people die from a heart attack. You can put stents in, you can do various interventions to open them up and delay the course or alter the course of the diseases and still act as prevention. 
The next episode we have was with Dr. Spencer Nadolsky. This is episode 12, where we talked a lot about obesity and kind of general um, endocrinology and kind of primary medicine kind of stuff. Um, and Dr. Nadolsky is a specialist in lipids, um, which are kind of like cholesterol that you might know of. And we talk a lot about that. There's just a whole bunch going on in this episode. It's a really fun episode to listen to because Dr. Nadolsky is also um, very good at using memes to convey medical information. So that was a huge topic in this. And outside of that, one of the biggest topics was that we talked about when it comes to obesity and a whole bunch of other like kind of primary care type things, genetics do play a large role where Dr. Nadolsky says genetics load the gun, but then environment pulls the trigger. And by environment, he means everything else around us, such as our various stressors, our careers, our availability to fast food, our availability to delivery services, our just convenience culture these days where everything's just really easy. And if we already have a propensity for developing obesity or other diseases, our genetics are already there, then it's very easy with this environment to do that. And there's a lot more to obesity than kind of personal choices and like the base of genetics that a lot of people blame. And there's just a whole bunch to it. This is a great episode. Would highly recommend listening to it. The next episode we have is episode 13 with Dr. Edward Laskowski, um, who is a physiatrist. He is a sports medicine physician at the Mayo Clinic. And in this one, he is a movement specialist and a huge proponent of the exercise um, as medicine movement. And in this episode, we talk about how any movement is good. Um, previously, there was this notion where you had to do exercise in 10-minute bouts, um, where if you did not do 10 minutes, and we weren't getting any benefit from it. And in this episode, we learned from Dr. Laskowski that if you do even one or two minutes, it's beneficial and it's better than nothing. So he recommended like whether it's just parking a little bit further away, so you have to walk, taking the stairs, whatever it may be, just doing a little bit is better than nothing. And once you start adding those things up, when you look at Eddie Cohn's kind of philosophy of just small wins, it ends up making a fair amount of a difference. So we talked a lot about that, just a lot about exercise as medicine, exercise as movement, all of those kinds of things. So that was a great episode for that. And then we also talked a little about preventive medicine when it comes to sports injuries and versus the mechanistic aspect. We talked a little bit more about the grief aspect and the mental aspect of returning to sports because Dr. Laskowski he does um, kind of work as a physician for a lot of professional teams and a lot of professional athletes. So there's a significant amount of grief when it comes to that and kind of being able to talk about that. And it's not just the purely uh, musculoskeletal model of just fix this and they'll be back to play. So good episode there as well. The next episode we had on was Dr. Michael Ray, where he is a chiropractor. And this was a really, really interesting episode because typically when you think of chiropractors, you think of the pop, you think of manipulations, you think of spinal manipulation, whether that's the neck cracks, back cracks, lower back cracks, whatever it may be. But Dr. Ray actually does not crack anyone's back. He doesn't believe in manual medicine in that way. And we talked a lot about how he came to that point where he learned that a lot of that was not evidence-based. In fact, most of it's not evidence-based. And rather than kind of actually doing anything, um, the manipulations mostly provide contextual factors and kind of um, instantaneous relief versus any sort of long-term change. So instead, what he does now is helps people control the rest of their variables when it comes to musculoskeletal medicine and helping people understand more of their pain. And Michael Ray or Dr. Ray is part of the Barbell Medicine team, and he does pay 
pain uh, and rehab seminars as well with the rest of their team. And he does a great job talking about pain there and kind of returning to play and very sports injuries. And uh, just listening to all of those podcasts as well is phenomenal. Great place to learn about rehab and pain. So we talked a lot about that. And then we also talked about kind of developing agency in a very similar manner to what Dr. Baraki talked about, where we focus on what we can control in our lives and what we can manage in our lives. So we can self-manage versus not worrying about the things that we can't control. So for example, you can control um, how much you exercise every day. Sure, for some people, it might be a little bit harder. They have a difficult environment, but um, you can control that. Whereas something like your genetics or your family history, you can't control that. So worry a little bit more about what you can versus can't. The next episode we had was with Daniel Halsey, and she is actually a clinical research coordinator and has a master's uh, for cancer patients and is also interested in research and is a trainer as well. So in this episode, we broke down and kind of combined the two topics of cancer and exercise. And one of the main topics here was um, that cancer patients aren't necessarily fragile. It's not like you can't touch a cancer patient, they can't exercise, they can't do anything because they have cancer. It's not like a box that they can't do anything else, but they can exercise. They can do everything just as someone else who doesn't have cancer can. But there are some things that may need to be adjusted, such as various exercise intensities due to fatigue being one of the biggest cancer-related side effects and just other side effects such as the lack of appetite, sometimes nausea and vomiting. So we talked a lot about in that episode, which was a great episode. It was a really fun episode as well. So highly recommend listening to that. After that, we came to another big episode with Dr. Austin Chiang, who is now absolutely killing it. He's a chief medical officer of Medtronic, which is a very large um, kind of biomedical company. And he is actually a interventional gastroenterologist where he does gastric bypass surgery and a whole bunch of other things, which are really, really cool. So we talked about how very much like Dr. Hader, who's an interventional cardiologist, Dr. Chiang's practice involves interventional measures when it comes to gastric bypass and we talked about how where you might not think of that necessarily as prevention where you could think of it as a quote-unquote failure of lifestyle measures where someone is just obese and they aren't able to control it or reduce their weight using lifestyle measures which we'll talk about a little bit later by the way um, gastric bypass is a phenomenal option and it actually has really good evidence and really good um, like an effect on people of losing weight and it's actually a method of prevention for those that fit the criteria and it can have massive health benefits help jumpstart people's just general weight loss or help them control their appetite a little bit better so it's a phenomenal option so we talk a lot about that. And the other thing that we talked about is Dr. Chiang is the founder of the Association for Healthcare Social Media. Now, this is an organization and nonprofit that he started because he thinks that, um, Patients, they get some sort of medical information when they're with physicians, whether in their clinic, whatever healthcare provider they're connected to on a day-to-day basis or on a monthly yearly, whatever basis. And really, it's a really small amount of time. Whereas instead, everyone's on their phones. There's a whole bunch of medical information coming at them left and right. And he started this so that physicians become more prevalent on social media and actually give good advice versus the whole bunch of stuff that just comes to patients' ways, unfortunately, which a lot of times is an evidence-based and sometimes is harmful. So we talked about kind of those two things during that episode, and it was a great episode as well. And he is doing phenomenal and big things right now, kind of changing the way that sometimes medicine is practiced, especially within his field. 
The next episode they had on was Dr. Chris Hunt, who is an emergency medicine physician. And in this episode, we talked about some very basic things when it comes to prevention. And as an emergency medicine physician, you might not think of being able to practice prevention that much, but two of his biggest takeaways were, number one, don't drink and drive. And you might think that's obvious, but there are a significant and a very large amount of people that come into emergency rooms, whether it's after an accident, whatever it may be, that they're just in a very critical state because they were drinking and driving. Very easy way to practice preventive medicine. Another one, very similar to that, is wear your seatbelt. And there's a lot of times that people suffer injuries from car accidents or whatever it may be that they weren't wearing a seatbelt. So that is an easy way to practice preventive medicine. And a lot of th- a lot of the things that he sees, some of the other ones that he talked about were like, don't do drugs, don't smoke, all of those things, which seem very basic. But we see a significant amount and a very large amount of people actually that come to emergency rooms for these problems. Um, and then we also talked about one of the main issues for prevention when it comes to the emergency rooms is establishing primary care. And a lot of times, people end up in emergency rooms because their problems get to a point where it's an emergency. Like they're not able to do anything or wait for an appointment anymore. And this is because they either don't have a primary care physician, have neglected to see a primary care physician or the appropriate specialist for this problem. And now it gets to the point where it's emergent and the outcome might not be as good as it might have been if we talked about it or if we got to take care of a lot earlier on in the process. So that was that episode. Uh, Chris Hunt, uh, Dr. Hunt is also a powerlifter and he's a great powerlifter at that. And And we also talked a lot about uh, like sarcopenia and just muscle loss in general as being a huge comorbidity for many of the things when we get older. Um, And we talked about how engaging consistent strength training is a phenomenal way to prevent that. Well, and the next one is episode 19, where we had all four of us hosts. And this is kind of when our team was at its largest. We had myself, Jason. um, We had Jonathan Alessi, who is a PhD MD student at IU. And then we had Dr. Austin Booz, who is now a second year resident um, in physical medicine rehab. And in this episode, we kind of just talked about a lot of our ideas in preventive medicine and just it was, it was a good episode. Um, it was a good uh, perspective from someone who's not kind of established in practice, has done a lot. And it was from a lot of us who are coming into the field and really passionate about promoting preventive medicine. The next episode we had on was episode 20, and this was with Ryan Nosak, who is a friend of mine, and we actually met at the gym, and he is a personal trainer, and he just launched his own company, actually, Rhino Strength. And in this episode, he is a great trainer. So we talked a lot about the basics of training people and how to take people through personal training, what that involves, and kind of the personal trainer's uh, perspective on preventive medicine. And one of the things that I really want to do in this podcast is not just talk to physicians or to people who have like very advanced degrees, but also, I mean, Ryan, uh, Ryan has a master's, I believe. I don't have his qualifications on here, but he's also pretty well educated. But we're not just talking to physicians here. We want to talk to everyone, get everyone's perspective on preventive medicine, because all of these people, every all of these roles, they're all we're all just trying to help people and exercising nutrition. It's all part of preventive medicine. Why not talk to a trainer? So unless we talked about how the basics of training people, most people should be including these five movements, which are a squat, a hinge, a push, a pull, and a carry. And we talk about different ways to kind of incorporate this into people's routines. And Ryan also talked about not necessarily just giving people these exercises, like let's say squat, deadlift, do a bench press, do a bent over row and farmer's carries, but instead finding out why someone wants to train. What is their impetus for training? Why do they come to you for help? And really design a program around that why to maximize adherence and to maximize enjoyment of that program and to get them going in it.
In the next episode, we had Dr. Beth Freitzon, who is actually a physiatrist, but has been practicing as a lifestyle medicine physician for a while. And in this episode, we really dove into what lifestyle medicine is and what it is as a field, aside from just being a regular like family medicine physician, internal medicine physician, a physiatrist, whatever it may be. And in this, Dr. Freitz talked about how instead of kind of looking at pharmaceuticals, a lot, oftentimes the prescriptions are things like exercise, nutrition, um, things around stress resiliency, helping um, make social connections, all those kinds of things. Instead of just uh, thinking of just giving a pharmaceutical, you look at all of these things and work on that lifestyle rather than just kind of, here, take this pill. Um, we also talk about uh, just communication and being able to communicate with lifestyle. Those kind of go hand in hand where you really have to understand um, why people are going through the things that they are and making sure that they understand what's going on. Whereas one of the examples that Dr. Freitz has was patients that uh, have suffered from a stroke oftentimes don't even know like what they went through, what happened, why their brain isn't working properly, or the etiology of a stroke, why they got a stroke, and kind of educating and communicating with them about how to reduce their risk for another one is key. The next episode we had on was episode 22 with Dr. Tommy Wood, who's an MD, PhD, and he is a neuroscientist where um, we talked a lot about brain injuries and these one of the best ways or one of the things that I took away from this was in brain injuries for infants or pediatric patients. And the biggest takeaway that I had from this part is that we can have brain injuries sometimes even in infants and preterms. And a lot of times this is societal. This isn't necessarily because the child or the infant did something wrong. They haven't had time to do something wrong. Whereas instead, a lot of this comes down to uh, being in the prenatal period for the uh, mothers. And Dr. Uh, Wood brought up how sometimes a lot of this is due to societal factors, where he brought up the fact that black women are more likely to have premature babies, where they have like premature brain development due to very systemic stressors, such as systemic racism, socioeconomic factors, and just a whole bunch of things like that. And preventing brain injury in infants oftentimes comes from the societal factors and taking that much larger picture, which I found incredibly fascinating. Um, one of the other things we talked about was something that a little bit maybe more obvious um, to some, but a lot of times when uh, neonates or new babies are born, they unfortunately go through a period where they're not able to breathe as well because their lungs aren't as developed. And neonatal asphyxia or anoxic brain injury, as it's called, the best way to prevent that have an in-hospital birth so that if anything does go wrong, that there are ways to ventilate the baby to make sure that we don't get brain injuries because of a lack of oxygen. And in hospitals, we can control that. At homes, we can't. Um, in the next episode, we had Astrid Naranjo, who is a registered dietitian, part of Team BioLane or uh, Lane Norton's kind of team of people. I'm sure you guys have heard of Lane Norton. But in this way, we talked about eating disorders and just disordered eating in general and kind of separating those two. So the first one, as far as eating disorders go, is that this is an actual medical and mental kind of issue. And this requires professional therapy that needs like a physician, psychologist, psychiatrist, registered dietitian. It needs a holistic team to help that person overcome this specific eating disorder that's going on and really help them out of it. And a lot of times this can be a very serious medical issue. You have people that are anorexic, bulimic, that are going through actual serious medical issues that might require hospitalization even. And we separated those out from disordered eating, which is just a, a poor relationship with food where sometimes you may just be like binging, but not necessarily like bulimic. Um, you just have a very restrictive uh, idea when it comes to food. And we talked about this being important because the relationship that we have with food affects everything we do. 
Food is not something that we can choose to expose ourselves to. It's something that we see every day. We need ourselves. Uh, we need it to sustain ourselves. And it's something you'll see in so many cultural aspects as well. So whether it's like your daily life, whatever you're eating on a day-to-day basis, whether it's going to events, the relationship we have with food affects everything and is a huge portion of everyone's food. So make sure that we have a healthy relationship with food is key. So this is a great episode. Would highly recommend listening to it. The next episode was episode 24, which was Alyssa Lenick, which you already talked about. So we'll go on to episode 25, which very similarly to uh, Alyssa Lenick is Claire Zai, who has a master's degree. And in this one, we talked a lot about sports and kind of women's empowerment, um, just changing the narrative of women. And Claire talks a lot about how women are often fed into this idea of becoming small being into this like little tiny box that you can't get strong, you can't uh, get a career in engineering or like science, whatever it may be. And a lot of times this comes like just implicitly or just um, subconsciously when you're going like to the grocery store and you see these magazines with the specific image of a woman. And this is what people are sold that this is what a woman should be. Whereas Claire says, screw that. We're going to do what we want. If we want to be strong, we can. If we want to go into science, technology, engineering, we can do that. Um, And we talk a lot about that. Um, We talk a lot about how the reason that this is, is that because women's sports, women's programs for science, technology, all those kinds of things are very underfunded. And one of the things that Claire and Alyssa actually get uh, together to do is a deadlift fundraiser for like funneling money to these various organizations and charities that support this and getting women into sports and STEM uh, kind of careers. Um, the other thing that we talked about with Claire is that she is a very competitive powerlifter and she's actually a pro powerlifter now that there's pro league. Um, and we talk about how there isn't actually that much of a difference between men and women when it comes to training and that women are oftentimes sold these very poor narratives about you need to train this way because you're a woman. But in fact, it's pretty similar. You can give the same program to both and they'll get pretty similar results. You just have to adapt to various circumstances. And obviously, it'll be a little bit different based on whatever's going on in everyone's lives. But for the most part, men and women are very similar. So this sums up part one of our recap episode. As you can tell, we're only 25 episodes in and it's been close to 45 minutes. So there is so much going on in these episodes. There's so many excellent takeaways. Um, So if you got or if you thought any of this podcast that I just talked about right now, any of these points were interesting, then whatever I said was massively expanded to during that episode. So definitely go check those out. There are 25 episodes right there that I just talked about. Um, In the next episode, in the next recap, I'll talk about the next 25. And a lot of these are also very exciting. So make sure if you find any of this interesting to go listen to that actual episode. And with that, um, we're getting to the end of this episode. Once again, if you enjoy any of this or you go back to one of those podcasts and you get something out of them and you want to support the podcast, help us out by rating and reviewing the podcast, whether it's an Apple podcast, on Spotify, whatever it may be. And with that, that's it. And I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Preventive Medicine Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us spread the message of prevention, first off, rate and review this podcast. Second off, you can find our content on our social media platforms at PreventPod. That's P-R-E-V-E-N-T-P-O-D. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one.